Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry. I will be your host, and I do not have Mark LaRocco with me this time because he decided to go out of town with his family to Disneyland or something like that. Anyway, I have a special guest to uh, to sit in for Mark this time, and I'm really excited about this. This is something I've wanted to put together for a while. Um, will Malone is a photographer that I've been following on Instagram for probably, I would guess, the last year or two. I honestly can't remember exactly when when the connection was made. But I, I can say that sometime within the last three or four months, if I'm right, uh, Will started doing a podcast as well about photography. It's called Photography is Dead. And it is a lot of fun and a little bit painful if you're a photographer <laughs> facing facing the reality of the industry. Um, and, and so I really enjoyed his podcast. And a few episodes in, he happened to mention that he was a big movie fan. And so I thought, here is my rationalization to to bring Will in and to to talk movies, to talk photography, to talk life, whatever happens. So we, we've got a little bit of a plan. We're gonna we're gonna we got a new movie we're gonna talk about. We got uh, some some photography stuff. We're gonna kind of connect it to the world of film, and then like is the case with with every single guest on the Utah Film Pod. You have to name your top three movies, your favorite three movies, your three defining movies, however you want to interpret it. We're going to make Will do it. So, Will, thank you so much, and welcome to the Utah Film Pod. Yeah, thanks for having me. Nice, nice. So, how is how is the world in South Carolina? I should have mentioned that's you're out you're out in the East Coast. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that I'd be on a something called Utah Film Pod since I've never uh, <laughs> been to Utah. Actually, weirdly, somehow, but. Um, yeah, I was, yeah. South South Carolina is uh, very different than Utah for sure. As I understand it, you spent a lot of time in Hawaii too, didn't you? I, I grew up in Hawaii. Yeah. So um, okay. Yeah, I grew up in Hawaii. I was a military kid, Navy kid. My dad was a Navy pilot. Um, but Top Gun Maverick is not my number one on my top three movies list. Oh, uh, interesting. It, it, okay. Well, it, it is. It's my number one for the year, but not for uh, for everything. Didn't win all the marbles. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, so I was a Navy kid, and so we moved around. Then went to ended up in Tennessee and Georgia, and then South Carolina. So okay, so so mostly kind of in the South. What after mm-hmm. after Hawaii? Then. My family okay. is all from the South in various spots. So this is kind of all, all my gotcha. all my blood relatives are around here. So okay, so you talked about the difference between South Carolina and Utah. Then you throw Hawaii in the mix. Yeah, like that's that's some pretty pretty different places now. I don't want to lead with this. I might, I might have to have you talk about this later off the air. But uh, I know that you, you have gotten close to Utah because you mentioned something in one of your episodes about an ill-fated trip to New Mexico. <laughs> so you were, you were at the doorstep of Utah, which is yep. you know close but not quite good enough. But uh, I don't know. Is there, is there a concise way of, of identifying what, what went wrong in New Mexico? So that's the thing I keep bringing up on my podcast and I'm, I'm not wanting to pay it off yet. I'm just kind of like, oh, okay. I'm mentioning, oh, yeah. no, I'm don't, mentioning don't spoil it then. as much as possible to drive people crazy. And gotcha. so I just keep bringing it up and then throwing it away because part of it is because, uh, it was, uh, so recent and I, I want to stew on it uh, more, <laughs> but also because uh, we're, we're trying to figure out next year how to uh, like reattempt what we did. So we're, oh, nice. we're, I want to complete the arc, you know? Um, gotcha. So, gotcha. So it's not well thought out. I have been to New Mexico. I've driven cross country. We drove uh, to, to Joshua tree. So we drove all the way through like wow. West Texas and all that stuff. Um, so oh, I've, I've been across the country a couple times. Um, I, but I have just skirted under Utah every time. 
that's that needs to be remedied my it friend. does it does that, for sure. uh, as oh a photographer goodness. especially yeah oh yeah absolutely absolutely okay well so because i, ha- I have to also have to mention that part of my interest in the new mexico story is because i have been re-watching breaking bad and just finished mm-hmm. going through better call saul for the first time and so i might be dreaming up some scenarios in my head that have nothing to do with your actual experience but you know <laughs> So no, I, I am not, very not, excited. Okay, now I'm hi- <laughs> now I'm realizing I might have I might be uh, hyping this up way too much, and it uh, it's not nearly as cool as that. Almost, oh, it's good. almost more you're embarrassing good. than anything. So, anyway, hey, those stories are great. Yeah, that's so, fine. I will. You bring up you bring up Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, and it's funny. I just rewatched Breaking Bad as well because nice. I just finished Better Call Saul and uh, that that like I could do a whole podcast on it. those are like that, we're talking about movies obviously but my top three yeah. TV shows those two probably reside in my top three of TV shows yeah, yeah. no I, I am 100% with you and in fact that's one of the things that's kind of interesting about doing this podcast is that you know because we call it the Utah Film Pod and, and so mm-hmm. the idea is oh well we want to talk about movies and presumably we're going to be focusing on kind of what's going on in Utah in particular, but not exclusively. Um, but just as, is kind of a parallel to my experience as a film critic over the last several years, this keeps expanding beyond just your traditional go down to the, the local theater and watch X movie. It's, you know, we're, we're constantly evaluating screening film. I mean, last year I think was the, you know, uh, CODA, was a best picture mm-hmm. Oscar and it was exclusively on the Apple streaming platform. And so, so even, I mean, obviously a TV show is still different in episodic in terms, you know, comparison to film, but the world seemed to be kind of merging. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I felt justified bringing you on was that, you know, photography is a pretty close sister to film. In fact, it seems mm-hmm. like a lot of the photographers I know also kind of have to, bleed over into that, especially when they're doing wedding photography and that kind of coverage and stuff. And so, but maybe, maybe before I I go off on too much of a tangent, tell me a little bit about, you know, maybe just your, your, your passion. Like where, where did your love of film come from? Hmm. Um, it came probably before photography. Um, I've just always, I don't know my family just growing up, like as a family fun thing, we would always go see movies. So just growing up, my parents watched a lot of movies. So we would just, as a family, we'd go to the movie theater all the time. So I just grew up as that being just a regular event on the weekends. Um, so I grew up kind of keeping up with things that were out. So I, I kind of just, I have memories, like I have crazy memories seeing like the first toy story or seeing like, I just have all these childhood memories in the movie theater. Um, so I, so yeah, I get it honest. Like I just, I've just always been part of it and it's just always been a thing I do and I just kept it going. And then I don't know, I started when I started with photography and I had a camera, I started seeing movies in a different light, not just from a story aspect, but seeing just like how the package is completed through visuals as well. Um, and I started noticing techniques and these kind of things. And so I would kind of experiment in my photos after watching a movie, like breaking bad again is a great example of like really excellent cinematography. And I just remember thinking of like when they would be in, and this is kind of an overused trope. I feel like in movies now, but like the, the different locations would have different color casts. Right. So they would have like, when you're in Mexico, everything's yellow, which is like a hilarious meme now, you know? Um, (laughs) but I did notice like how they would use color temperature and white balance to help convey stories. Um, 
so I would just start noticing visual things, or and you can always think of the RV out in the middle of the desert with the smoke coming out, you right. know. So there's all these iconic shots, and so I just remember started thinking of pictures differently just through my just especially in college because in college is kind of I feel like when most people who are into movies they kind of start watching movies they've never watched before you know I remember sure. I remember being a college freshman in my dorm watching Memento for the first time okay and, and I'm just like <laughs> I just didn't know what to do about it I think I watched it like the two days after again so I could try to figure it out you know right um, right and so you're just kind of like constantly having your mind blown by movies and then now now it's been a decade since i've been in college so now i've just noticed my tastes are changing again like a lot of the stuff i watched in college um i'm seeing differently now i'm watching that's kind of why i've i've been rewatching breaking bad and mad men yeah. and that kind of stuff because I, I see it with different eyes now um so I, I don't know it's just it's always been you know photography was a hobby that became a job i obviously love it but uh movies are kind of my last remaining hobby <laughs> it's like the last okay uh it's like the last thing i i have that i did for fun that didn't end up being work in some way <laughs> so okay gotcha well because i was i would ask if this is an okay fair question to mm -hmm. ask like did you consider going more into a cinematography or filmmaking career instead of photography or no so was, no I mean, was that ever an option so i actually um the college i went to was pretty small so they didn't really have much of a program for either so a lot of the stuff i did was outside of college um but yeah with i i actually i have dabbled in video and film stuff here and there um it's i like the simplicity of photography over yeah. all the moving parts of making a movie and that kind of thing. So I've actually, uh, you were saying that when you're a photographer, you kind of dabble in video. I've actually yeah. finally kind of cut that out of my life <laughs> to where I okay. don't, okay. I don't do any anymore. And when I have to do video for myself, I have a, I have a, um, oh, excuse me. I have a friend who, uh, does, does my editing for me now just cause I just, it's, oh, gotcha. it's one of these things that I like. Uh, I really, I just like the simplicity of shooting an image and focusing on the image and not, I really, if I can help it, I, tr I don't like spending too much time on the computer. And I found I like shooting video and film, but I don't like the editing of it. And I just, I don't get excited about the putting it together in post. And so it just was one of those things where gotcha. I just, gotcha. I don't know. I, so I'm like still images, um, I actually went with a friend once. He invited me to a set of uh, of a streaming show that was filming because he he was like a location scout, and he invited me on set. And so I got to hang out on set all day because I was thinking like, you know, I had a couple opportunities to possibly become a set photographer or something like that. And uh, I realized how much waiting around there was, and how much standing oh. around, and how much <laughs> like. And I'm pretty like I gotta I gotta be moving. I want to be moving. I want to be doing stuff all the time. Gotcha. And I was just like, it just it didn't move as quickly as I like. So I've I I think that's and it also I did I don't want it to like ruin the magic of movies for me. Like I I like being a spectator as well. You know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. I think I think the way I would sum it up because I've had similar you know similar experience and questions and for me it was that. In photography, I don't have to deal with humans as much. <laughs> yeah, so, that's right. That's right. <laughs> no, it's it's not. I mean, I'm I kind of. It's not as joking, collaborative. Like, it's not as collaborative. Right, yeah. Well, and and it's not as complicated. I mean, obviously, photography is very complicated. The more the more you kind of go down that rabbit hole, but 
but just kind of the logistics of, you know, because I remember as a teenager and in my 20s trying to get video projects together. And it just seemed like such a nightmare trying to coordinate everything and get everybody involved. Whereas photography, you know, as you well know, you can just hop in the car and drive off someplace and spend a couple hours and, and you get your results, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's almost, I mean, these, these days I would almost say photography is as therapeutic as anything else for me. Yes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's again, I mean, the, the worlds are so, they're so interconnected and, and overlapping that, uh, you know, that's, that's why I say, I, I think that, uh, both of us can kind of speak to some interesting, especially as we think about the way that the industry is, is developed. Because like I said, I, it, it really feels like a lot of the photographers I know, they, you know, are just kind of obligated to, to cover, you know, film responsibilities or at least coordinate with that. And, and so mm-hmm. it's a reality that we, we have to weigh, but enough of that. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll come back, we'll come back to more, more stuff in a minute. Um, let's talk about the new movie that we both saw Yeah. that, uh, now I guess, so, so speaking of streaming and being weird, mm-hmm. I guess the plan with this one was that it was going to be in the theaters for a week, which I always at least previously thought that this was so it would qualify for the Oscars. But then, of course, Coded wasn't. And then after a week in the theaters, it was going to go on to Netflix. And so the, so we're talking about Glass Onion, the new uh, Ryan Johnson film. This is the I guess technically it is the sequel to Knives Out. But it doesn't. The only character who is returning is the uh, the Daniel Craig detective uh, Benoit Blanc. Is that the yeah. that the character name? Yeah. I got it. Um, and so so it's kind of like I guess he is just the new Poirot mm-hmm. to you know to Ryan Johnson's Agatha Christie series. In fact, funny enough, um, I got a promo package of swag and junk because it's getting to the end of the year, and so they're sending out stuff to kind of encourage votes and, and all this. And, and, uh, there was, there's a little note in there from Johnson and it actually says that he was, you know, kind of evoking with, so, okay. So a little bit of background. Mm -hmm. So with, with knives out, you know, anybody who saw that, that's, it's this, it's a murder mystery that's set in the midst of this dysfunctional family, very wealthy. And they're kind of in, I mean, was it kind of a Northeastern manner type of just kind of classic home, and so, yeah. and so Johnson said that where, where that was meant to evoke a particular kind of murder mystery, Glass Onion is meant to be more like Evil Under the Sun, which we just saw earlier this year from, because that's the one that uh, the Agatha Christie won from earlier this year, right? Wasn't that Evil Under the Sun? Did you see that one? No, I, I have not seen that one. Oh, no. Okay. I, I well, know, it's I, another movie about rich people on, on, a, on the water. <laughs> Yeah, um, I was trying to think too. It reminds me of uh, it reminds me of a uh, White Lotus in a weird way as well. There's like this. Th- okay. There's this thing right now with uh, rich people in remote places uh, and and <laughs> and murders and deaths and things. You know, <laughs> which which I feel like I support a lot more now. I I don't know if you if you noticed this or if it was just because I was watching a bunch of movies at the end of last year, but mm-hmm. it seemed like there was a stretch where I was constantly watching, like biopics about miserable rich people there was yeah. the uh the one about the, the the gucci one the house of gucci, house of gucci yeah, yeah. there was and then there was the one about uh tammy faye baker mm-hmm. and 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 that and there I, I swear there were a couple other ones it just seemed like even even the one about well not so much about the uh the, the williams sisters the tennis one but it seemed like there were all these movies about 
rich and famous people who were backstabbing and miserable. And, and I hated those. I got so <laughs> sick of all that stuff. Yeah. But, but this, this is more fun now. So, so glass onion again is it's, so it's a murder mystery. It's a gathering of kind of, I guess they're an old group of friends who have stayed in touch with this entrepreneurial, I don't know. I, I kind of see him as a stand in for kind of a Mark Zuckerberg eccentric, you know, billionaire. Yeah. Type. It seemed it seemed like they took a lot of, billionaires in our culture and kind of mushed them together like there was like some elon right. musk references and like some yeah zuckerberg yeah. and some uh i don't know it was funny thing i don't know if you've heard about the like the big crypto thing that happened the ftx big thing like it i have kind heard of about my, it i, I was, don't understand it yeah i I've, I've had to do a lot of re- but like it's it's funny how the timing of this movie kind of feels like as perfect as it could possibly be like the moment this movie sure. could come out you know with all the all I the agree. highlighting of that so maybe we're just in an era where we're watching rich people uh collapse i don't know <laughs> it just seems like culturally we're just like en- enjoying it like we're in the coliseum or something <laughs> yeah no and that's i think that's a good way to put it right is that because because it's like i said as i was watching these movies last year i just kept thinking okay, I understand that there's drama here and there's good acting and good writing and dialogue and all this kind of stuff. But honestly, you know, I'm not really interested in just, yeah. okay, they're rich, they've got money and power and blah, blah, blah. And and so this is kind of a more fun way because it's kind of, I mean, it, it especially coming on the heels of the, the I, I would say the current version, because I think there are previous versions of Evil Under the Sun. I know there are of uh, uh, the uh, Orient Express. Um, but... It, it felt to me like like Glass Onion and probably Knives Out as well, that, that Johnson is basically just kind of having fun and doing almost a parody version of the genre where mm-hmm. they're, they're legitimate murder mysteries and he's got kind of his, his signature twists and turns and stuff. But he's also really prioritizing the humor and kind of, you know, the fun aspect of it. And so, so I don't know. I, I mean, I don't really want to set up the, the plot too much. I mean, you've, you've got... Um, you know, the, the, the main Edward Norton plays kind of the, like we say, the kind of the head entrepreneurial type who's, he's got this remote Island. And so he invites all of his old friends and their various, you know, degrees of celebrity and, and, and in the process, somebody gets killed and, and, uh, Benoit Blanc, you know, Daniel Craig also is mistakenly invited because, well, I guess maybe not mistakenly is the right way to put it. We don't want to give too much away, but he winds up part of this group even though he's not part of the friend group and he's there and he has to figure out what's happened so that's sufficient setup i'm just going to pitch it over to you now so what did you what did you think of this one what did you think of glass onion so it it, it's funny like I realized in, as after leaving the theater, I enjoy I enjoyed my experience in the theater. I was actually, for, I I can't help it. I have to talk about the Netflix situation with it first because oh it, please it go is, for it. It is baffling to me. Like we're we're in we're in a year where like Netflix share stock dropped. The 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 streaming model has kind of been exposed as not super profitable which we kind of always knew but like now it's now it's it's happening and so but netflix seems like somewhat belligerent to to keep it going when the reason they paid for the knives out sequels is because the first knives out made a lot of money so it's like they were kind of buying a sure thing and then i go to the theater to see glass onion bizarrely only able to go for a week <laughs> and it's sold out it's sold out in like 
I I went to I had to go to a weird theater, uh, way out of my way. Okay, and I ran into people, for, uh, and forty five minutes away from here, from where oh, I oh wow, I I went and I and I ran into people from where I live. Like people were coming all the way there to go see Glass Onion. Wow. Uh, shoulder to shoulder fully packed theater everyone seemed to have fun um and that was like a noon showtime oh god and it was that was so and it was it was like black friday and (laughs) uh and and yeah so like i don't think i've been in that crowded of a theater since probably spider-man no way home and um just like in recent memory um and so it was just bizarre i'm just thinking you have a sure thing here and you're only gonna put it out for a weekend when people are really itching to go see stuff in the movies. Cause there's been nothing out this year. Like this yeah. year we've had the longest spaces of things to go see in a movie theater, you know? Um, and so to me, it's just, it's just so bizarre that like they would just leave that money on the table when clearly as a company, they need to be profitable. Right, so, right. um, I, and maybe there was a contractual thing reason they couldn't do it. Maybe it was too short a notice. I don't know. But like, if they just kept it going for like a month, even, mm-hmm. um, they could have made a decent chunk with this movie. I think. I think it could have done the same, if not better, than the original Knives Out. Yeah. Um, so, it's uh, it's just kind of strange, and it had not that much marketing too. And, and I think from what I looked at, it came close to beating Wakanda Forever that weekend. Really. And Wakanda Forever is like on over 4,000 screens. And this was only on like a little under 700 screens. <laughs> and it and it like beat Wakanda Forever on, I guess it was like its third weekend or whatever. So oh, okay. um, I don't I don't know if I don't I you can fact check me on that one. But I <laughs> heard that the other day and I but I, you know, I kind of believe it just based on my experience. So I just find that to be kind of strange um, as far as the movie. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I think it's. um I think it's a little more crowd pleasing than the first one in some ways. Like it's, it's breezier. Um, it's not quite as intricate. Um, it feels, it feels a little more straightforward than the first one did. Um, but yeah, I I think that it's clear that there is a knives out ethos. There is a, there is a through line to these movies because they kind of, this one kind of fit the template in some ways okay. you know like it's uh it, in fact it, to a point where it made me wonder if benoit blanc like how he found carved out this niche of showing up to places that everyone's like why are you here and it's like a bunch of rich people and the just stuff happens on accident and there's like one uh, oh, there's one aggrieved party or victim that like you know uh is is seeking justice from this group of rich people like it's it's it, when you start to think about it you start to realize oh it's it's basically the first movie you know just in a different scene set, yeah. like setting right 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 no and i i I felt kind of the same way is that it seems like the, this, this, the theme that you to talk about is let's, let's, you know, let's bring the rich people down a peg because they're just kind of like these awful, unlikable yet fortunately funny, right? Because there's, there's kind of a thin line between an unlikable character that you can watch and one that you just, I'm sorry, I can't even, I don't even want to watch this person on screen. Like these are, these are funny, you know, right. kind of energetic characters. And no, I, it is. I mean, it, it left me wanting to see more. Yeah. Oh. Oh. I would be down for one of these every like two or three years. Yeah. Like it's it's a fun ride. I I enjoy it. 
I like what they're doing. I'm I'm hoping the next one is like on a train or in sure. on a boat or like <laughs> you know somewhere you know. Um, but yeah, it, there's there is. I don't know. I if if I'm being nitpicky, like I think I like the characters of the first one. But the fir- the first movie felt like they were all characters that you have exaggerated versions of people you have met at some point okay right and i i think that was part of the appeal of the first one is like you'd hear don johnson have a conversation that like most people have heard their grandfathers have or like you know (laughs) like you you hear you you hear people talk and you're like oh i hear people talk like that well in this one none of the characters were super relatable you Mm. know there was like a uh, you know dave batista played i was gonna say you you weren't you didn't relate to dave batista's uh his his influencer yeah they were just (laughs) they were they were all they were like a little more ridiculous um and and the and and the person i went with actually said they enjoyed class onion more than knives out because it was a little less subtle so okay i i i so I don't I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing. I just it's just an observation, I guess. Yeah, I would say for for my take, which is just kind of my purely subjective opinion taste thing, like I would say that I enjoyed Knives Out more. Um I I enjoyed the family chemistry or, you know, dysfunctional family chemistry, I guess, aspect of it. Um and you know, being the first one, there's there's always kind of a kind of a fresh original feel to it um but I, I definitely like glass onion like i said i mean it just just like you i I'd, I'd love to see one of these every year i think that this is kind of ryan johnson's this is his wheelhouse like this is the thing he does well you know it it yeah. reminds me more of you know i haven't seen all of his movies but one of the first ones of his i saw was uh brothers bloom and you know kind of yep. kind of a similar yeah. kind of caper you know jet mm-hmm. set type of type of movie and and i don't know i mean i'm, I'm tempted to start asking you about last Jedi, but we don't have to go down that road. If that would be, <laughs> <laughs> see, I, I actually, I actually, now that I think about it, I, I could pull up a list. I think I have seen all of his movies at this point. Well, so there's those in looper and what else? So brick is the first one. Oh, okay. I haven't um, seen with, that. Uh, with Joseph, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Okay. And, um, it's, it's good, but it's like, you know, it's super low budget, you know, it's his, um, you know, like Christopher Nolan's, uh, following it's kind of okay. like that. Okay. It's, um, but it's, it's very good. It's like a noir sort of thing. Um, and then I think brothers bloom was next. There's looper. Um, there's, oh man, I think I actually own them all too. <laughs> um, there's, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know what it is. I feel like I'm missing something huge. Um, but uh yeah you could yeah you could ask the the uh it's always scary to ask people about um star wars in oh the yeah modern day you yeah know? um i'm not i'm not it's and this is this this might be controversial i'm not a big fan of the the new trilogy but i think last jedi last jedi is my favorite one of them okay okay so if that's if that's uh bad to say i don't know oh, i don't know what kind of crowd it's this not is, it's so. not bad to me it's it's not bad to me um i i have a lot of similar sentiments i i get the sense that not being as thrilled with the new movies is not quite as controversial to say now as it might have been a while ago because it seems yeah. and, and again this is just kind of my own perspective on this but whereas i was really excited at the beginning and i was really happy that Force Awakens kind of restored. So, so I'm a lifelong Star Wars fan. So, if you know, I, I will try not to go mm-hmm. too far down down the tangent road. But um, I really, I really appreciated how Force Awakens kind of restored the feel and vibe of the original trilogy. But then, 
I also appreciated how Last Jedi tried to do something different. Like I thought it was cool that yeah. they that he had some different ideas and had said, "Hey, you know, maybe maybe there's something to the idea that anybody can have the Force, you know, and or can use the Force, you know." And, yeah. and so so I didn't find myself objecting to, you know, and, and it and it seemed rational that hey, you know, maybe if, if Luke has some traumatic stuff, maybe he goes off and, you know, because this is kind of part of his hero's journey and, and stuff. And so I, I didn't find myself just, oh, you have completely violated the character and, and not right. not at all. Um, unfortunately, well, he did. Ahead, he did. He, he, he oh, I, was, I was just going to say he turned, he made Star Wars into a Ryan Johnson movie. Right. And that's, right. that's kind of, and, and he's, he very much cares about human characters, you know, with, like flawed human characters. That's yeah. what he's, that's what his, his thing seems to be in all of his movies, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. like, like, you know, Looper is kind of about that too. It's like, um, you know, what happens to you in the future, who, who your future, future self ends up being, why they turned out a certain way. You know, he's yeah. like, he, he kind of gets deep in that way that, you know, truly, if you think about what Luke Skywalker's been through, he finds out his dad is, you know, emperor. <laughs> he's like, had him die in his arms or whatever. And you're just like, you're like, well, yeah, I would be, I would hide out on an island, you know, in the middle of the ocean too, because like, what, you know, it's you've you've seen a lot of stuff, you know. Yeah, well, and and again, you know, kind of connecting back to the photography thing, what a great island to be hanging out on. That uh, I'd I'd be perfectly happy to <laughs> yeah, no to joke, isolate yeah. and to uh, to be to be an exile on that little place. But uh, yeah, so exactly. Yeah, no, I I I definitely so kind of kind of getting back to Glass Onion, I guess. Um, I I enjoyed it. I. It was it was fun to have Brian Johnson doing this kind of thing. Just like like you said, I mean, it'll. I, I hope that it becomes a series. I mean, I'm I'm perfectly happy to see him do some other stuff as well. But maybe if we if we get a few more of these, that could be. I, I, I guess one of the things that I've enjoyed about the series the most is that basically ever since Logan Lucky, I have just enjoyed seeing Daniel Craig in a non James Bond context so much that this seems just kind of like a fun way for him to just do something different against type. And of course, I guess now that he's With done a ridiculous three of, accent. Know, oh yeah. yeah. Cause, well, cause you saw Logan lucky, I'm assuming that you had to have seen that. Yeah. And he had, he had, he had a somehow a different kind of Southern accent. Oh yeah. In Logan. Lucky. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause he's, he's got, he's got like the sophisticated. Okay. So uh, feel free to laugh or mock or, or be enraged at me, you know, be actually being in the South, but, but it seems like, the Benoit Blanc character sounds like he just he he kind of reminds me of like this the sophisticated southern historian that would pop up on all the civil war documentaries you know like the the talking head and he it's got he's got he's like this very very you know i don't know there's just there's just kind of like this majesty about the way he's speaking it's very very measured and and stuff whereas in Logan Lucky it was more like he's he's trying to be kind of a funny hayseed type and yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. He, so, you know, I, I like being in South Carolina, I've kind of started to notice the variance of Southern accents and sure. there is, I don't really have much of one. I think I just, I, I never really got me that hard for some reason. I don't know why I avoided it. My, a lot of my family has Southern accents, but, um, if, if you listen to like South Carolina, especially toward Charleston, that's exactly what Benoit Blanc sounds okay. like. He sounds like, he sounds like that, like old school 
Charleston, kind of South Carolina, or maybe a little Louisiana, kind of. But okay. It's, like our 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 governor in South Carolina kind of sounds the same way. Oh, so really? <laughs> it's that. Yeah. So it's like this. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's it feels like the, a region that I hear some people around here here speaking that way. And then yeah, in Logan Lucky, it was like very West Virginia. Some it was like something totally different that you don't hear. Yeah. You know, in South Carolina and Georgia. Kind right. Of thing, so. Right. And of course, now I'm self conscious yeah. because I'm wondering what does Will think of my accent? Does he detect anything strange? And it's like, oh, you know, he's one of those guys from Utah. And he's, because there are, there are particular things that have become so pronounced that we're almost self-conscious about making sure that we don't, you know, there's, so so just yeah. quick example, a, a, a little north of me, there's a, a town called Layton and it's it's spelled L-A-Y-T-O-N. The kind of the the slurred Utah accent way to say it would be to just say Layton and to kind of drop the T, and so some so it's gotten to the point now where a lot of people are so self conscious about that that they will say Layton and they'll hit the T really hard to make sure that they're not slurring it, and so it's almost like this opposite <laughs> weird thing. But you know, you, I guess it takes somebody yeah. else kind of like outside looking in to tell you, oh yeah, you're doing this thing and it's strange. Well, my yeah, my wife is from South Carolina, so she's always correcting me on the how incorrectly I'm saying ah, things. So gotcha, yeah, I, gotcha. I I understand that I I overly pronounce things that yeah, like you said, kind of get like just rushed through <laughs> when when people around here say it. You know, there's there's a town over here that says it looks like Clinton, but apparently you're supposed to say Clinton. You know, oh so gotcha, it's like, yeah, I don't, right, right, yeah. But but if you walk in and say the wrong thing, you look dumb to everyone. So <laughs> right, <laughs> it's like okay. So but I'm used to that. Nice. So. <laughs> nice. Okay, so so obviously it sounds like we've got kind of a dual endorsement for Glass Onion, but maybe to be a little bit more specific, and and granted this doesn't really apply given that it's on a streaming platform, but mm-hmm. would you buy Glass Onion for your collection? Because it sounds like you've got a pretty good sized collection of movies. That's because that's kind of my cutoff. Is like, is this something I would actually buy, or is it just good enough to say, yeah, that was a good movie, I'll watch it, but I'm never gonna, you know, commit to it. Yeah. Yeah, I I would, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Okay. Because I own I own the first Knives Out, okay. so I can't just own. <laughs> so like, I remember I was dumb enough to buy Force of Awakens Force Awakens as a steel book Blu-ray, oh, and then wow. I thought, well, dang, now I have to get them all as steel books. <laughs> and so then I had to, like when even though I hated, you know. Uh, the soul I didn't like the solo movie and I didn't really like much of the other ones. I was like, well now I have to make sure I go to Best Buy and get the steel book like right when it comes out so it looks good. Um but yeah, no, I I, I own knives out, so I would have I would probably just own it so I could complete okay, the gotcha. you know saga. Gotcha. Well so so yeah. man, I mean because I would have said, all right, steel book for the trilogy, but you went so you gone like with all the Star Wars movies since like the Disney era. Yeah, well, I couldn't find. I never got the Rogue One steelbook. Okay. So that one's just looks in its regular cardboard packaging, unfortunately. Which is but, weird because so it stands out. Couldn't you argue that that's like the best one of the Disney movies? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it, it is the best one, especially in a post Andor world. Sure. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I still need to finish the series. I've I've got about I think I'm about two thirds of the way through it, and like I said, between rewatching other other shows and stuff, I I kind of gotten sidetracked, but. I, uh, I'll definitely finish that one. Unlike some of the other, I don't know, we, we could have a total discussion about Disney Plus. I know, I know, and, I know we're, go- yeah. we're going all over so, the place. <laughs> well, so, okay, so maybe 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 for the sake of, of, you know, maybe the two or three listeners who are just enraged right now and just want us to stay on point, 
let's let's swing back to photography because because in the in the process of communicating with you and, and talking about well what should we talk about what kind of subject should we cover it seemed like you know we, we brought up this idea of well what about the role of like movies like or, or maybe not the role but if there if there's a subgenre and apparently it's a very small one of movies that are mm-hmm. either, either about photography or at least have photography or photographers playing a significant role and there were some but not a not a ton it doesn't seem to be a frequent subject no and yeah and i think it's because for whatever reason like uh, the the photography is often used as like decoration Mm. in movies so i it's it's more like you see i mean and and you brought up when we talked about it like uh the the secret life of walter Mitty. and while i think of that as a photography movie and i think that's a really good movie and i really like that movie uh the character that sean penn is playing is kind of like the generic photographer that's in every movie having to do with <laughs> photography you know there's there's always he's like an adventurer he's like on top of a volcano he's like always shooting film for whatever reason you're like why do you still shoot film you know you don't have to make your life this miserable um but or or like i think of any time a photographer is like a character in a show or a movie they're always uh, having some sort of very pretentious gallery show uh, where it's like it's like pictures of like children in different lands or like the eyes of people or you know it's just it's always very kind of um ridiculous and kind of it, it it's like a parody of really pretentious art people and it's it's always kind of obnoxious okay. and so i feel like kind of and kind of like cooking movies like with cooking movies you know, you hear chefs talk like there's very few movies that portray what actually being a chef is like well. And I think it's just hard to portray in a movie what a photographer is like. Right. And I think that's because a lot of photographers, as people, can be kind of uninteresting because <laughs> that's all their interesting stuff is like in their work, you know. So yeah. Um, yeah. It, 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 I feel like it'd be tough. Like you would have to be a photographer and be really into photography to kind of really get it. Yeah. And make the movie, you know? Well, and maybe that's it. Is it maybe it's not a, maybe the, the creation of cinematic material is not a cinematic subject. If, if that's a, yeah. a fair way to put it, you know, because I mean, I, I liked him. I think of myself as a fascinating person, but I could see how, you know, if you, if you were to follow around and make a documentary well, <laughs> of me, do be, yeah. you know, taking pictures, it probably wouldn't be the most engaging, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like when I'm taking pictures, often I have my AirPods in and I'm listening to a podcast and I'm taking pictures and like muttering to myself like a crazy person. <laughs> like it's like kind of it's it's not like really cinematic. So maybe if you gave me some like leather bracelets and I was like uh, hanging off a plane with a film camera, then maybe that would make it more interesting. But like in reality, it's like doesn't look interesting while it's happening. Right. Know? Right. Yeah. Unless you're in a war zone or something, I guess. Well, cause, well, cause what I was going to say, I, cause we, we mentioned Walter Mitty and then I, I'm sorry, I forgot the name of it, but you mentioned there was another one with Johnny Depp, right? Who was playing some kind of a war photographer. Yeah. Minamata. So it's not a war photography thing. It's, um, uh, I have his book. Hold on. I have the, well, 
Anyways, I, the photographer, the name escapes me. Who? Oh, Eugene uh, W. Eugene. Um, man, I it's 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 nighttime, so I'm, okay. I'm failing with the name. But you're good. Um, it, it, he's so he basically um kind of he went to this village in Japan and he was he was paid by uh, uh W. Eugene Smith, and uh he he's known for being he's a photojournalist, and uh, Johnny Depp. Is kind of the perfect person to play him because W. Eugene Smith is sort of this. Um, he he's like the classic idea of a very troubled artist. So he's he's a drunk. He's a you know he he. It's amazing that he's he's made it this far in life. He's miserable. I think his marriages have fallen apart, and that's that's like true to the the guy. But he would <laughs> right. tell these ama- He would have these. He would have these amazing uh, photo essays in like Life magazine and places like that. And so um, he uh, went to this village in Japan where he discovered that the people there were being poisoned, uh, in the, the water. They were getting this like awful disease that I think they call like Minamata syndrome. Um, and, uh, it was because of this Japanese company that was dumping toxins into the water. And so he went and documented it and that kind of exposed the, the company. Okay. Um, and so this is like a, a true story. So they made a movie about it and the movie was actually pretty good. Um, and you know, it's just an interesting subject and story to tell. So, I mean, it was going to be interesting no matter what, but that's, and that came out in 2020. So that's, okay. that's a pretty recent movie about a photographer. So it, it did make it, you know, and he of course shoots film, which is makes <laughs> photography look cooler in movies to shoot film, like shooting digital, isn't cinematic you know? yeah <laughs> just, right you know right. Exp- using lightroom and all that stuff is just like right. cool let's point a camera at their computer screen mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean it had all of the it had all of the things you would want if you want to watch a photography movie um so yeah i that's that that would i would say i have a little recency bias because it came out somewhat recently uh-huh. but I was very surprised by it. It's, okay. it's, I think it's worth watching. Nice, nice. Well, so I, I am going to, I'm going to add a recommendation of my own, and I can't remember if I mentioned this one in, uh, uh, in our emails, but, um, so there, there is a series, and I actually use this in my English classes when I do, because I, I, at one point I have them write a movie review, and, uh, and also a short, uh, we'll show short films in class and we'll actually talk about them, review them, just kind of do uh, in-class tests and stuff. And I've been using this series and I don't know if you've seen these, if you haven't seen them, you're in for a treat because I think whether you like it or whether you like them or hate them, you will find this interesting. About 20 years ago, BMW hired a bunch of Hollywood directors to make a series of short films that featured their cars. And so it's essentially this commercial advertising campaign. And instead of just, you know, a 30 second spot on the new, you know, M- M5 or whatever, it's a short 10 minute film and they're all starring, um, oh my gosh, I forgot his name, uh, Clive Owen. And he plays this kind of oh. ambiguous driver character. So it's kind of the same as like, was it the Transporter series is when Jason Statham was, all, was the driver. Um, yeah. So it's kind of similar to that. But there are this, these series of short films that all have him in them. And then there are, there's some kind of dramatic subject matter, some kind of adventure he goes on. And he's always driving one of these BMWs. And 
it's always hilarious to show these to my students because they think that they're just regular little short films. And then I tell them, oh, by the way, these are BMW ads. They're like car commercials. <laughs> um, yeah. But and so so if you haven't seen them, I mean, like like Tony Scott. Um, oh, who else? There's some of the. In fact, uh, uh, Interview 2, the, oh, is the Birdman yeah. director? He did one. In fact, I think mm-hmm. he's doing the one that I was going to recommend. Um, so, so it's really like full-blown Hollywood-level A-list production. Um, but there's, there's one in the series, and I believe it's called Powder Keg. And it's about this, uh, uh, he's, he's like a behind-the-scenes, well, not behind-the-scenes, behind enemy lines kind of wartime photographer he's kind of he's a journalist he's exposing you know uh some kind of corrupt regime or something and the the story is about him trying to smuggle his roles of film because of course he shoots on film and and he's trying to get them get them back to where they can be published and and expose the the evil regime or whatever um and so just a short film like 10 minutes long um and if you haven't seen these i i would be i would really be interested to see not just as a photographer but just as a film guy what you think of them because they're yeah. they're pretty varied and crazy and in fact uh one of them and of course i, I keep for, forgetting names who was the director who was married to madonna he did uh snatch uh guy ritchie so so guy ritchie did guy one ritchie, yep. and it actually stars madonna and and so they're they're a lot of fun um so so for you will and for anybody listening who mm-hmm. hasn't seen these they're all on youtube you know they're all you know free okay um but uh, but the, but in terms of a movie or at least a short film about photography powder cake is actually pretty pretty well well produced well done so but i don't know that might be it like between between those two <laughs> and walter mitty might be that might be the the end of the genre <laughs> yeah i actually before the podcast i thought about well there's that one on netflix kodachrome oh yeah right very similar yeah very similar sort of you know aging photojournalist film photographer guy who's apparently the best photographer that's ever lived there's a lot of mystery behind yeah, it you know yeah. um so they add it and he's like shoots a leica like mp4 or whatever and so you can see it you know he like winds the thing and it's just very you know you watch him load 35 millimeter and take pictures of people at a diner and you know it's all the it, ha- it hits all the the notes but one movie i thought about before the podcast was uh is Lost in Translation a photography movie? Oh my gosh! Now I'm trying, trying to remember because it's been a while since I've seen it. It's a little. It's it's certainly a movie that, as a photographer, I'm interested in because just the vibe of it is cool. Yeah. But like the, and I mean the photography connection, I think could be pretty. It's pretty loose because it's sure. like Scarlett Johansson's husband, I think, is there for a photo shoot. Okay, okay. Um, and so there's there's a lot of references to photography. Okay. So in it's it. kind of like calling Die Hard a Christmas movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, actually, probably pretty close to that. Yeah, but there's but it overall it has this characteristic of somebody who's like looking okay. at things and looking around and I, I don't know it's it's kind of slow and I and I think I like those movies. I like kind of you know enjoying scenery of movies so sometimes i like when movies don't really do much and i can just feel the vibe it's giving okay, off okay. you know yeah i like that no um, that that actually is one of the movies that i have recently thought i need to go back and rewatch because it's it's been a long time i'm trying to honestly remember if i've seen it beginning to end or if it's one of those things that i've just caught pieces of um because it's very much i mean 
everybody knows what lost in translation is and we all know about the right you know the the big question of what is what does bill murray whisper to scarlett johansson at the end and nobody knows and and so but then i think okay well have i actually sat down and watched this all the way through so so now i am i am motivated so i appreciate the recommendations yeah yeah okay so i've got so i've got a question for you to kind of to kind of pull back into more of our maybe maybe kind of like your experience with photography and then the overlap with film because let me let me see if i can this is not a concise question so tell me if okay. this makes no sense <laughs> so one of the things and i i, I kind of hinted at this earlier so so your podcast um unlike the utah film pod which tends to allow me to just kind of drone on and on aimlessly and unrehearsed is is more kind of a concise you you have you know it's i mean they're really only about what six six seven seven minutes long you know each each yeah, episode is, is very minutes, yeah. yeah right and so so there's a much much cleaner focus on a particular message and theme um and very very well executed by the way i, I really do enjoy it um oh, thank you but then i also joke that it's also kind of painful sometimes because some of the, the subjects that you've addressed um quite you know quite rightly are kind of the challenges of okay well so how do you succeed in a a, a field and a culture and, and a civilization that is just constantly changing you know that the technology seems to change and and the strategies of you know because you know if if, if you have uh, i mean unless unless you were able to build your career before social media social media is really kind of a vital piece of of, of your strategy and, and of your business plan and so one of the parallel so I'm, I'm getting to the question here so one of the parallels that I've noticed between between film and movies and photography is that the advance in technology over the last, I would really say, 20, 25 years has made everyone, has, has given everyone access to follow through on their creative aspirations, right? And I, and I really just maintain, as much as I would like to be able to kind of be like the film photographer, you know, kind of the pure you know, the, the avant-garde, the Sean Penn type. Um, the reality is without digital photography, I never would have been able to get the trial and error necessary to succeed. And so I'm really grateful for the advances in technology and the way that it's allowed me to become a photographer the way I wouldn't have otherwise. And the way it's also given me access to, you know, filmmaking and a lot of other people to filmmaking. But then the drawback seems to be that everybody has access to be a photographer, to be a filmmaker. And, and your podcast has a really good way of what I see is um, acknowledging the challenge and the reality of that, but maintaining an optimistic viewpoint. And so, like I said, so, so maybe, maybe this is still kind of steering more towards photography than film, although I think it's really the same thing in, in both fields. But maybe mm-hmm. how how do you maintain a an optimistic viewpoint in in the face of Instagram changing their algorithm so that it doesn't support still photographers anymore, right? And and just does that make sense? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because because I'm struggling to be positive. Like it's it's kind of, and I don't know if it's because I'm I'm older and I'm getting more discouraged and <laughs> and but but like. I, I, like I said, I just I noticed that you are optimistic and excited about the future, and and I thought I'd yeah. like to have you speak to that. 
Because I, I think it's because, I don't know, I think it's easy to be pessimistic, and hence why, you know, I, I have I have been in the photography industry for a while. I've talked to a lot of people who were, you know, I used to work with a photographer who was older, um, and he, uh, he was a commercial photographer, shot huge product campaigns and I would assist him and stuff back, uh, in my early twenties and whatever. And, and he, you could tell that I was the enemy in some ways. Uh, like I was the guy coming up and I was ruining everything for him, oh you know, no. because I was doing things in a new way and, you know, social media was a thing and, you know, he, he had done things. He still had a fridge full of film. He did everything, you know, had a, a billion lights at all these things. Um, and I had a drone or like I had, a, you know, I had a, I had something that, you know, he would pay to get into planes and fly and shoot aerials. And I could sit in a recliner and fly a drone. Not really, but you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Like I could, you know, I, I know plenty of people who would pay a lot of money to get in a plane to take aerial photos. And now you, you know, don't have to do that. Maybe if you want to get higher, I guess. But he, so, so to me, I think I've seen multiple generations of people feel pessimistic about the future of photography and so part of me was just thinking i was like you know i've kind of i've kind of grown comfortable with the fact that it's just going to change mm. and now that i've been just kind of in it for 13 years i mean it's changed a ton just in that time and i remember i was doing this before instagram started i was doing this you know uh when before tiktok came <laughs> out you know like i'm starting to just see all these things changing and flowing and I've just naturally kind of adapted as it's gone on, but at the core of it, my photography has kind of stayed the course. So like the work I'm doing, the ideas I'm trying to convey, the things I'm focused on, they, they stay consistent. It's, it's the, it's the, the communication platform that changes. So to me, I don't see it as really a big deal. Mm. I mean, if social media went away tomorrow, I would find a way to continue what I'm doing. Yeah. I, you know, it's just all they are, are tubes to insert data in. Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't want Instagram to necessarily, I mean, it probably does in some regard, but I don't want it to necessarily inform what I'm doing and then Instagram go away and I don't know what to do anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's tough because there seems to be, we're in a place where we're kind of, we feel like we're in an in-between, like a hole in the market where Instagram isn't as fun as it used to be, but then we don't understand TikTok yeah. and we don't, you know, Twitter is going through its own thing. So we, we're kind of in this in-between space right now, which I think just the, um, just the shifting and changes of it makes us uncomfortable. So it's easy to be kind of bummed out yeah. because it's just everything is unsettled right now. Yeah. Um, but I think in five years we'll feel a totally different way and we're just going to um, kind of keep doing that forever. And that's, and that's just kind of the, that's just kind of the process of being a photographer now. And so I, I posit in my podcast that if you have a set of ideas and principles, you take photos with, just focus on that and everything will change around you and you can change and adjust too. But just the, the important part is the work you're doing, not the methods by which you show it to others, yeah. you know? Well, it's, it sounds to me like what you're saying. And I, and I, I really like the way you put it too. Um, I mean, I think, I think maybe the oversimplified way to say it is keep your eye on the ball. 
right? Like if the ball is your photography. Yeah. Um, but then, then it also, it also seems like your focus should be on your photography, not the platform or the medium. And, and it, well, I guess what I'm saying is if you're doing the photography that you want to do for your purposes, stay focused on that. Don't just try to do the things that you think you are supposed to be doing because that's what's going to be discouraging and bouncing all over and changing all over the time, all, all the time. Does that, is that a fair way to put it? Yeah. Well, and I think, uh, you know, I think the temptation now, and I've had this too, uh, over time is like, you want to get more followers or you want to get more attention on what you're doing. Yeah. And if that's your, if that's the thing you're chasing, you're going to end up not having a consistent through line through your work. Cause yeah. you're going to be, you're like, Oh, this didn't work. I have to throw this out. People don't like landscapes anymore or people don't like portraits anymore. Just like I didn't get enough likes on this. I didn't. And you're evaluating yourself on metrics that really can only be measured over a long period of time. Mm. Mm. Because like, I mean, everyone, everyone starts at zero followers and, you know, some people are lucky enough to go from zero to 50,000 or zero to 10,000 or zero to whatever. But I've gone from zero. I, I don't have a major following, but. I, I went from zero to whatever I'm at, like over a few years, you know, and, and be, as people kind of discover me as, I mean, you discovered me yeah. and it's just from consistency and just trying to just like slow incremental growth. Yeah. And that's yeah. how everything, I think that's how most things grow, but because we've seen so many viral sensations and stuff, we think, Oh, why isn't that happening yeah. for us? And then it yeah. makes you self-conscious about, you know, what we're doing, you know? So absolutely. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's a great way to put it, you know? And, and, and by the way, I, I want to interject with this because, um, you talk about kind of having, you know, your subject matter and kind of consistent through lines and themes and stuff. Um, I really love, and, and actually kind of relate to this as well. So, so one of your, your primary, I guess, projects, themes, focuses, whatever you'd call it, is, is what's called the, the small town photo project, correct? Yeah. Yep. And, and, the, and the idea is to kind of go into places that, um, I hope it's okay for me to talk about this. Like it's the, yeah, the, 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 the strategy yeah. is to go into places that, you know, maybe don't have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of, of pictures on you know, on, on Instagram or whatever, and, and to really kind of capture the spirit of a, of a small community that deserves every bit as much to be, to be featured and to kind of have, have their own identity. And, and I've, I haven't taken it quite in, in, you know, certainly not as far as you have, but I've got enough of kind of a photojournalist instinct that as I've been traveling to some of these more notable places, I kind of have the same, interest, you know, and, and, and certainly my, my yeah. own community. I, I, so I live, I, I don't know how familiar, of course you haven't been to Utah yet, so you probably don't know. So I, <laughs> I live in a town, uh, you know, about 40,000 people. That's just a little bit North of Salt Lake city. Um, for all intents and purposes, it's a suburb, but it was so it was settled separately like 150 years ago. And so it's, it's its own town, but it's kind of grown into a suburb because everything along the Wasatch front is just one continual city now. Um, but I've, you know, as just almost unintentionally or subconsciously over the years, I've found myself documenting things around town, businesses that have, you know, mm -hmm. maybe changed over and, and just kind of like 
iconic things. Because, I mean, I, lo- I love going to national parks like anybody. I mean, I've got all kinds of photos of Delicate Arch and, you know, these places that, that one day you will you, you two will capture in Utah, right? <laughs> That's right. But I've, I, I've seen pictures of Utah, yes. Yeah. I do. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but I, I, I really enjoy and admire the, the impetus to, to highlight those kind of things because, because I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a very generic thing. There's, there's really nothing unique about saying this, but I, I think that you want to shoot things with meaning. You want to, you want to find a way to imbue, imbue your work with meaning. And, you know, when you talk about uh, photography on your podcast, you talk about storytelling and the value of that. And, and, and it's just, it's gotta be more than just a pretty picture. There's gotta be some context to it. There's gotta be some kind of a story behind it. And, and so, so if, if, if you haven't got the, you know, listeners, if you don't have the endorsement yet, go look up Will Malone, look up the small town photo project, listen to the dead, the, uh, photography is dead podcast. Uh, you, you'll be glad you did. And, uh, but we can't let him go yet because Will, you, you've got to tell us your three movies. And uh, unless unless you had any other comment on anything else, that uh, would you would you like to no, would you no, like to no, rebut no. anything I've said? No, no, you <laughs> no, you've summarized it summarized it quite well. So no, I'm I I will say my in my three movies though. Okay. Uh, there's no there's no photography movies. Oh, so, that's okay. Spoiler. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, yeah. so so again, just to kind of set this up, uh, this is this is a traditional thing that we do with every every guest who comes on the film pod. Um, it was not my idea. This was actually my predecessor's idea. And I just think it's a great, great little concept. Um, because I mean, if, if you're a movie fan, you inevitably face the question, what is your favorite movie? And if you are a movie fan, it's an impossible thing to answer because narrowing all of your favorite movies down to one. Um, so this at least distills it down to three. Um, but I think what the fun twist here is, is that you can also look at this as almost, I, I mentioned this earlier, kind of a self-portrait. You know, so if you were going to create a self-portrait of your, you know, of yourself with with movies, what three movies would you pick? Um, or it could just be your three favorite movies. It's really open to interpretation. But uh, but I did tell you ahead of time. So so there's been some time to prepare and to to fret and and stress and and uh, and second guess. But let's hear what you came up with. Okay, so. Uh, do you want me to start with three or one or which which well, one? You just, get you just follow forward? your heart. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, great. So uh, I would say, you know, bringing this up as like a self-portrait, I'm kind of realizing the kind of movies I like through this. Yeah, now. great. Um, so, so I would say, I would say probably it, it always hangs out in my top 10 and all, usually toward the top. And maybe this is a generic answer, but uh, Rocky. Rocky is like, I, I would I would argue that it, it's probably number one because it's just been in there so long. And I don't care what Rocky movie you turn on, I will cry. <laughs> like, they just get me. I don't know what it is. Creed 3, it looks like it's not going to be that great, but I'll be in. I'm, I'm going to be nice. all in. Like, I'm just... I'm. I'm the franchise aside from Rocky five. I'm in. So it just, it just it hits me in an emotional core that I don't really understand, but not that, not that you need my approval, but man, Rocky is such a good movie. That is excellent. Excellent choice. Yeah. And, and it's so, it's so watchable. Like I could go put it on right now and be sucked in and enjoy it for for the for as old of a movie as it is and for as dated as it should feel mm-hmm. it just still works yeah. Yeah. so um so yeah that that's probably i would say number 1 um number number 2 
would be it's if if I'm again looking at movies that hang out in my top ten all the time. Okay. Uh, Dark Knight. Oh, okay. The Dark Knight. Okay. It's just a movie that I watch over and over. I quote it all the time. In fact, <laughs> I throw. I don't know if you noticed in my podcast, I throw quotes all the time from the dark knight in there there's one yeah like i try to work them in sometimes i'm like how many how many christopher nolan batman quotes can i get into this episode you know nice (laughs) Um, nice and you know and just the elevated way that it does a superhero movie it's just not i don't it's hard to think of as a superhero movie it's kind of it kind of feels like a movie about the natural order and Mm -hmm. society that just has Batman in it, you know? Right. Um, right. And then you got Heath Ledger. I mean, it's just, it's, it's so good. And if it's on TV, it's kind of like that. It's going to be that movie for my daughter where like, if it's on TV, like dad's going to watch it. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just, it's just going to always be, a, it's just going to be something that I watch forever. Um, and I remember seeing it at midnight and I just have a lot of good memories. It's just, I love it. So, so um, if I can, if I can ask really quick. So, yeah. So is this, part of being a general Batman fan or a comic book movie fan, or is it just that dark Knight just really spoke to you in a way that is just stuck with you? So, man, I don't, I mean, I like all the Marvel stuff and I watch superhero movies or whatever, but I think this movie in particular sticks with me. Cause I, I wouldn't say I'm even particularly that big of a Batman fan. Like I keep up and yeah. whatever, but the dark Knight is just like, it's, it's on a different level than even, even the best Marvel movie in, in, in some regards, you know? Okay. Um, so yeah, I just, and you know, it's Christopher Nolan. Like I have a, a right. book in here called the Nolan variations that like goes through his career. And he's just such an interesting filmmaker. He's the only filmmaker that can make a blockbuster film that doesn't have a superhero in it and like it's still given a huge budget like he does things that uh just he's he's kind of people like him are going extinct and so he's he's such an unusual filmmaker and i just love i love following his whole filmography but the dark knight is just i just get excited every time it's on okay so i do have another follow-up question i have so many questions i could you this thing could go for three hours um I go from Rocky to. Hey, oh no, no, it's great. So, so you mentioned when again when we were emailing, um, you mentioned that you went to see Tenet and you were the only person in the theater. So, so yep. that obviously speaks to maybe a situation that has changed because Tenet was what you know late summer, early fall of, of twenty twenty, and and now you've got a full full house seeing uh, Glass Onion. But anyway, my question is. Since you seem to be a Christopher Nolan fan, what's what's your what's your quick mm-hmm. take on Tenet? Oh, I love Tenet. I've okay. seen it ten ten times. Oh, so you now. understand it then? And, <laughs> no, I don't, and that's why. So I yeah I I like I really <laughs> like Tenet is like abstract art in okay. some ways. Like it doesn't. It even says in the movie like this doesn't make sense. Like there's somebody that says like this kind of doesn't make sense. You just kind of have to feel yeah. it, you know. Yeah. And it's that's kind of the movie. And there was one point where I felt like I came close to understanding it, and then I forgot <laughs> what that was. Like it's 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 so, but it's such a bizarre. In retrospect, it's such a bizarre movie. It's bizarre that he thought, hey, I'm gonna release this during 
deep COVID when no other movie is coming yeah. out and you're still going to go see it. And no one really did. It didn't do that. Yeah, well. right. Didn't do that well. And then anyone who did see it thought this movie makes no <laughs> sense. But, uh, I was like, I will brave whatever I have to, to see this movie in theaters. I was like, I can't not see this in a theater. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> um, and it's, and it's like the audio is terrible. Like that's the crazy part about like, Christopher Nolan, especially his more recent stuff, is like the audio mixing is horrendous, yeah, and like, he like, like deliberately, right? <laughs> yeah, and he did an interview once where he's like, "Well, that's just because you don't understand the level that I'm at." <laughs> like that's kind of basically how he talks about it, and it's just like who who could get away with that other than Christopher Nolan? Oh, that's pretty um, funny. And you have to watch it with subtitles. Like when you watch it at home, like your TV speakers like can't handle it, so you have to like watch <laughs> subtitles or else you can't understand the dialogue. Like it's it's so it's so nice. crazy. Nice. nice but but it doesn't outrank dark knight though no 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 okay no, no. Uh, yeah i could do it i could do a top nolan ranking i could do a nolan podcast well, i could talk about nolan honestly honestly we have not done that yet so so i might i might come nagging you again down the road yeah there nice. we go oh man i i've got a whole i've got a whole book of his thing that i've been reading great so, yeah. okay number three um this is the tough one because this is the one where I wrote about 10 possibilities. For okay. It. Well, we, we will um, completely allow a, you know, a honorable mention or two if, if that would make the process a little less painful. Okay. <sighs> so I'm, I'll, I'll probably, I'll probably go with as a number three. See, it's, it's between, it's between two and these movies aren't really all that similar. Um, heat Ooh. heat is like one of those i just love watching movies it's just so it's it's i, I love heist okay. movies and this movie is kind of the template for all heist movies that came right. after it um and then uh blade runner 2049 Ooh, okay okay so it's yeah it's it's it, you know it's uh blade runner 2049 i think is a better film than the first blade runner um, I don't know if that's controversial <laughs> to say. I, I, I think it's, it's easier to watch and it's beautiful. Like yeah. it is, yeah. it, it's, it talk, talk about photography. Like it is, uh, just, you could watch it on mute, you know, and just let, I mean the, the, you know, and, and actually, um, Roger Deakins, who, who, who did the cinematography for that movie, he did Skyfall as well. Uh, and he did similar, okay. similar kinds of color and lighting, but, um, the, the way he lights things, it's just hard for me to understand how you shoot moving pictures in the way that he lights and colors that movie. It, and, and all, you know, he uses, you know, a lot of stuff on set. Like it's not, there's, I don't think there's a ton of, po I mean, there's obviously a ton of post in Blade Runner, mm -hmm. but you know, like in the way he lights things, I think it's like, if you're there, you're probably seeing pretty close to what it's going to look yeah. like. Yeah. Um, so it's just impressive. It's just an impressive work. Um, I have some complaints about the movie. Um, but overall, like it's, it kind of defines the idea of the legacy sequel. Uh -huh and like is like the best of the because it doesn't lean on harrison ford really right. much. yeah it, it's its own it's its own thing um and it keeps you know you had all these quite you're like oh i kind of don't want a sequel to blade runner because then we're gonna have all these questions answered that kind of made the first blade runner cool and it doesn't answer those <laughs> questions like it just it just continues the vagueness yeah. um so it was i i think that and it's of course uh 
is it a Denny Villeneuve? Yeah, right. Dennis right. Villeneuve. Yeah. Yeah, and he's uh, another another movie on this list of my possibilities was Sicario. Oh, okay. And so yeah, and yeah. and then Arri- and then Arrival. Uh-huh. Um Arrival is up there too. So he he's I'm a sucker for him right now. I loved the Dune movie. So he's he just has a style of filmmaking honestly that maybe the reason I like it is because it's a little Nolan-esque. Like he's he's building these amazing visual blockbusters that uh not a lot of people are doing right now um so anyway no yeah, those the, are yeah and then he I guess, so, so i would say i would say blade i would say blade runner over heat now after discussing okay. it with you no no and that's I, but, but you're right because they are like they're both very very moody movies right and and you almost yeah. in in my mind's eye i am picturing both movies entirely happening at night right but even though it's not yeah. but but yeah very very different I mean, the, the storylines, the genres, the characters, you know, they're very different movies, but I can, there's enough in common with them that it, it again, you, you mentioned before that when you think of this as a self-portrait, you can kind of start noticing things about your taste and your interests. And I would, I would say that, you know, those movies have a very consistent, you know, it, it is, it seems logical to kind of have those on, on your list, just, just from my limited you know, knowledge of, yeah. of, of your interests and, and stuff. Um, and just, just for the sake, I mean, not again, not that it's important, but I, I definitely sympathize with the idea that, that 2049 was, was better than the original film because <laughs> sympathize. I well, like that word. well, no, because <laughs> I, I don't know how, let me, let me see if I can put this the right way. I have always loved the vibe of the first Blade Runner. But then whenever I would watch it, I would always feel kind of disappointed by the story because it didn't seem like very much happens. It kind of establishes the world, which is what everybody remembers. And this is why it's groundbreaking. And this is why it's such a a big deal is because that world was so unique and so important and influential. Right. But then I think, okay, well, the whole plot is Harrison Ford tracks down the replicants and kills them. And that's it. Like that's yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. And yeah, because there's right. the subplot about, okay, is he a replicant back and forth? Right. But, but it's really not, there aren't a lot of twists and turns in that movie. And so I don't look forward to seeing it as a, Oh, that's a, such a great story. And then there's this moment and this moment and this moment. It's like, no, it's just a really cool looking movie that makes me feel like I want to be creative and do stuff. Right. And so, yeah. So I would absolutely, if, if that's kind of what you were, you know, yeah saying was that that the as a movie as a total cinematic you know storytelling experience that 2049 is better i i think i'd agree with that 100 percent um and then it's it's interesting because while it it builds on the visual aesthetic of the first one i see 2049 is really having its own you know its own voice visually and and Yeah. yeah i mean i you, you can't be, I don't know, this is, maybe this is pretentious to say, I was going to say you can't be a photographer without appreciating the aspects of that movie just visually because it is such oh, a striking. No, I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I usually try not to say, I mean, I can't I can speak for everyone. I'm sure there are photographers out there that, oh, I found I found 2049 <laughs> completely uninspiring, but whatever. Um, no, so that one, and then I, I, I don't have. I mean, I've certainly seen Heat a couple times, but I haven't. I'm not as familiar with that one as I would say, say the other ones. But same type of thing, just you know, 
these these world class actors and and a great story and great vibe and so uh, again, I I think I think I think now now that, you know I never really thought of my top three as like a self portrait, but now that you say that, like I'm thinking of like the reason I like Heat and I like how good they are at their job. Okay, like, I like how efficient they are at heists i like there's a there's a competency to it so like you know the uh al pacino as the fbi guy he's really good at catching guys uh you know robert de niro he is excellent and he has a team and he knows everything like he knows stuff before it happens like he's just aware of everything like i i like seeing the the efficiency and well thought outness of every character in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, well thought outness. That's not a word, but you know, um, <laughs> so, so yeah. So I, th- I, th- I think, you know, you look at Blade Runner and it's like visuals, um, good story, visuals, all that stuff. Uh, heat is like efficiency. And then Rocky is like one man, you know, trying to like, uh, to, to defeat the yeah. odds. So oh, I'm yeah. like, Oh man, what does this say about <laughs> me? You know? So, and then dark and then dark night, I don't know, maybe it's a dark view of society. Yeah. I'm not really sure, but <laughs> no, no, I, I, I agree. I, I definitely think that, you know, our, our favorite movies say something about us, you know, and, and, and I would say most of the time it's, it, it says good things, right? Um, I don't want to make us go over long, but I'm not no, going to lie to you. I'm extremely curious. I'm extremely curious as to what yours are. So I, I will, I will tell you, but I, I do just for the sake, just for the sake of, of tossing it out there. What else do you have on your list? I mean, you, we don't have to break them all down, but what else, what else was on there? Oh, uh, I got no country for old men. <laughs> um, um, uh, Mad Max Fury Road for visual again. It's just, uh, just, I, I mean, I could go all day about that movie. Um, uh die hard all right nice of course, nice of course um best in show okay <laughs> yeah i i just i i like those kind that of was movies. that was a left turn <laughs> yeah yeah best in show this is spinal tap those kind of movies yeah. are just like oh yeah i i just it's just yeah it is kind of out there um kiss kiss bang bang okay um with uh that's with, what i uh, have not seen Ro- i actually have yeah not robert downey jr okay yeah, really interesting. It's 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 one of these loosely Christmas movie type things. Okay. Um, so I usually watch it around Christmas. Um, and so the oh, and the Big Lebowski oh. is on there as well. Yeah, <laughs> very nice. And then yeah, I had a I, I had a rival. Okay. Uh, and Sicario kind of neck and neck there. So yeah. So yeah, it's, it, there's a there's a clear like you know I I feel like I was doing this and I'm like man I I wanted to like shock people with some obscure film that no one had ever heard of but i guess i'm not that sophisticated of a person you are totally fine you're totally fine now now i i am going to tell you my three but before i forget this because i'm going to keep forgetting this i wanted to ask you did you see belfast so i have not seen belfast yet but it is in my uh netflix queue or hbo okay. Queue. Okay. i have it on a list somewhere yeah so and I, I'm, I'm going to watch it so that was my number one vote last year for best cinematography and oh. and and not not just because I mean it's this gorgeous black and white obviously, um, mm-hmm. but some of the compositions it just it there there is such a deliberate effort to make interesting compositions throughout that movie that when you do get around to it I am really really interested to see what you think of it because the movie okay. itself yeah. like the story and the characters they're fine you know I, I don't remember being like especially moved or anything but I just watching that movie over and over was just marveling at 
the cinematography, the composition, the, you know, just, it, I, lo- I loved that aspect of it. So anyway, put a, put yeah. a pin in that one. Um, go ahead. Yeah. And yeah, I was just going to say like, um, you know, Belfast, like thinking of all the black and white films that have come out too, like, um, you know, honorable mention would be also Mank. I liked, I, I okay. love Mank and that's a black and white, uh, David Fincher, you know, um, and then, uh, yeah, I was going to say there was another movie I saw somewhat recently that was visually beautiful, but, um, really hard to watch. And that was that, uh, Marilyn Monroe movie. Oh, you did see Blonde. that? Yeah. Whew. Yeah. That's a tough, that, that's a tough I one. I was not able to bring myself to watch that one. <laughs> no. And I, I would say no one should really, <laughs> but I, no, 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 it's, it's, it's too tough, but it is the visuals are like like it's it's an impressively shot movie but it's not it's the content is too too difficult so no no <laughs> that's think, but yeah, yeah i i kind of gathered as much so uh i guess i i guess that anyways was, i want uh, i i want to know uh i want to know your movies i'm I, i'm so the first thing i need to say is that i completely cheated like i mentioned we we kind of did uh, uh honorable mentions and and so i put as an honorable mention basically like the entire original star wars trilogy the, the original one okay because yeah because Star Wars was the first movie I ever saw at all in the theater. I don't remember it because I was too young. Um, but it really just kind of laid the foundation for my creative impulse my entire life, whether it was photography, whether it was mm-hmm. you know, writing, drawing, all this kind of stuff. And so it didn't seem right that I couldn't have it on the, the, that I wouldn't put it on the list. But then the truth is that I think Empire Strikes Back would be my favorite of the original films. And then. So anyway, long story short, I, th- I just cheated and I thought, okay, instead of have it take up one of my places, I'm going to like put this out there as my honorable mention foundation because it's almost more than a movie, right? So anyway, <laughs> that's right, which yeah. is totally lame. But so so that one is there. The three movies I picked, and and you, you'll laugh, you know, because DVDs might pale by comparison. But um, I went, I, I actually went with Secret Life of Walter Mitty as one of my three. Um, okay. Nice. Partially, well, partially because of the photography, like the photography element really put it over the top just because it was such a relatable, I mean, without going into too much detail, because I, for one thing I've already talked about it on the podcast, but, um, I just love that moment when, when Sean Penn doesn't take the picture and, and gives that yeah. reminder that, which, which, you know, I, I'm going to speak for photographers and tell me if I'm wrong, that, you have to remind yourself to get out from behind the viewfinder and experience what you're experiencing sometimes. And, and I just, I love that. But then I just love the whole story of, you know, Ben Stiller's character getting out of his shell and taking some risks in life. And I just front to back, I mean, it, it's even a great mother's day movie because his mom is like the hero that, that kind of saves the yeah. day. Right. So, so that one is absolutely, you know, I, I would say that, of the movies that have come out since I became a critic, that's the one that's closest to my heart. Um, another one that uh, was, I mean, it came out before I was born, but I see is just really kind of parallel to my, my adolescence in so many ways is American Graffiti. Um, just, Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and just not that I ever drove hot rods and, you know, and, central california in the early 1960s or anything but i the the what's so funny is that it's a it's an ensemble piece there's not really one protagonist you've got basically like four equivalent protagonists that kind of have their own stories going on concurrently 
And at different points in my life, I've related to all of them. And, and just, you know, without, without going on, you know, we, this, this, this is about your list, not my list. Uh, so American Graffiti no, is I know. one. I, I, uh, yeah. But then, but then the one that, that might make people laugh and might make you, you know, take me down a couple pegs uh, is the Blues Brothers, believe it or not. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a, uh, this, this is, this is one. And again, I, I won't go off on this too long, but it's a movie that has just kind of been omnipresent my entire life. You know, I, I would, I would never say, I would never say it is one of the greatest movies of all time because it's this, this sprawling, overlong, incoherent mess. That's just fun and crazy and off the wall and just kind of a grab bag, you know, and probably about one third the length that Dan Aykroyd might've made it if he had been allowed to shoot his entire script, you know? So, so I, I, it's, it's closer to my heart than I would put it up as like an AFI. Oh yeah. This is, this is up there against citizen Kane. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. And see, that's kind of why this is an interesting question because it like really reveals a lot about the person, you know, right. um, and it kind of, it, it kind of, it's, it's in some ways it's how you should, you should have started the podcast and then you kind <laughs> of, uh, you like how you understand the person, you know, like it's, it's kind of like now, now we're ending and, uh, we just dropped all this huge, <laughs> these huge <laughs> drops of about ourselves. And it's like, you could have a whole other podcast unpacking all of this. <laughs> hey, well, you know, well, you are welcome to come back anytime. Uh, this was, I, Listening to your podcast and, you know, looking at your photography and stuff, I had a suspicion that you would be a fun guest. And so you, you absolutely delivered in, you know, many times over. No, I appreciate um, it. Oh, you bet. You bet. And then si- sincerely, like, it'd be, it'd be great to have you come on and talk some more sometime. And uh, in, yeah. in the meantime, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. I, 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 I can speak for myself. I've really been enjoying, you know, listening to the podcast and looking forward to seeing more of the work you do. And uh, I don't know any any final comments, thoughts, observations, anything else that we can check out and see more of your work at. You know, just uh, I'll give I'll give you a final final parting. Uh, yeah, just uh, thanks for thanks for having me on. And if anybody wants to uh, listen to my podcast, it's Photography is Dead, and uh, it's not as dark as it sounds. <laughs> so I feel like I always have to not like add that. Like it's not depressing it's not there it's actually weirdly optimistic in a strange way um but uh but yeah just thanks for having me on i really enjoy this any chance to talk about movies the problem with this is that if you get me talking about movies i can go on way too long hey. and i could sit here for three more hours so oh, but that's, yeah i'm 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 all over it yeah excellent well, that's that's the beauty of the podcast right so yeah, you've given me an outlet to talk about it. So nice. Hey, I'm, I'm glad I can, I'm glad I can can do something. So for the audience who's who's here with us, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Uh, this has been uh, I'm Josh Terry. We got Will Malone is our is our guest co-host, uh, movie fanatic slash uh, excellent photographer and podcaster. Um, be sure to leave us positive review wherever you're at. If you're listening to this on Spotify or on iTunes or wherever you might happen to be uh, catching the Utah Film Pod. And take good care of yourselves, be excellent to each other, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.